Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you, you right there, all of you are listening to a Rattleagin Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey, yay! Yay, you get a double this week, you'll get, a double, you'll get a double next week too, that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, for those of you joining us, yeah, we are listening. We are Damn You Hollywood. I'm Robert. That's Mark. And joining us again is Alexis Haina. How you doing, Alexis? Doing well. Got Cleo behind me already dropping her toys on my feet. On the plus side, I feel confident we're going to get the 22-minute podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you want to get into a lengthy subscri- or discussion about how they got the celebrity that they did to voice the teddy bear in this movie. Because oh, I'm assuming even... you did see who voices the teddy bear in the credits. No, no, go ahead. Well, first, we're, That's we're Seth talking, Green. We're talking about Black Friday, uh, which was a Canadian film, I think, of some dis- description or other. Not a lot here. It was uh, produced by the MFW Manufacturing, the Warner Davis Company, and then distributed by Screen Media Films. <clears throat> and it came out November 19th and almost immediately went to Peavod. I think... Uh, it was Peavod either yesterday or today. Yes, it was yesterday because I was looking for it since the nineteenth. Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta rent this thing. Where is it? Where is it? Where <laughs> right. is it? It is getting is a it? limited uh, theatrical release. I was, I forgot that we were reviewing this this weekend. Originally, I was gonna go see this on Black Friday mm-hmm. because that's when uh, the local, more indie movie uh, theater is uh, showing it. So, yeah, a friend you, and I are gonna go see it, and I haven't told him actually that I've already reviewed it. So. <laughs> I'm sure we'll you'll be able to feign surprise in all the right places. So yeah, um, yeah, I I took this on. This was your pitch, Alexis. This was your idea. You know, it was Bruce Campbell, splat stick, zombies, fun Christmas time horror movie. And you were like, hey, you know, we gotta re- we we gotta do this because it's Bruce Campbell. And I said, sure, why not? We you know, it's a light week. We can get this in there. I enjoy, it. and especially because I enjoy doing stuff off the beaten path. And who even knew this was out there? If you're not like a big time trailer follower, but go back and go back again. Now there's a teddy bear in this thing. Was it like da- Downer Dennis? Dower. Dower Dennis. Yeah. Oh, go, go again with the bear. Yeah. I am slightly convinced that this movie got made just because somebody had the idea of a talking teddy bear that said nothing but passive aggressive shit. (laughs) And the whole script just ended up getting built around that because one of the reoccurring themes is, is, yeah, is this thing takes place at a toy store. Mm -hmm. And when they start, they mention that, was it Dower Dennis? I thought it was Mm -hmm. Dower Doug. No, Dennis. It was, it was Dennis? Okay. Yeah, there's a teddy bear called Dower Dennis that's being recalled because apparently the battery malfunctions and this thing bursts into flames. Mm-hmm. Which, part of me is saying, going, so how many children found that out the hard way before the recall was issued? <laughs> and this this bear uh, just, keep, just children keeps... In, sh- children in not the United States, so no one cares, is the <laughs> corporate answer for that. <laughs> Thank you, Disney. So, this, no, this that's, bear... That's Monday. <laughs> yeah, this bear just keeps showing up throughout. 
throughout the movie. It has no bearing, pun not intended, on the plot. Robert, I gotta know, do the rest of the uh, network executives hate me for introducing that clip to him? There's no executives. Good answer. (laughs) He's asking you if the rest of the putzes we record with hate me because of that, and the answer is no. We all think it's hilarious. No, Uh, I was asking if they hate me because I'm the one that sent that clip to you because you said you couldn't find one. uh, Look, we might hate some of the things Mark does. <laughs> we freely acknowledge there's no, like, if you hadn't sent him that, that we would have a worse clip of something like that. So you, you make the best of what you got. Okay. So I guess we're at least going, well, at least it's Pinkie Pie. So you were but, saying. Yeah. Like I said, so this, yeah, this, this stuffed toy just keeps showing up. And I was just like, what? And, and throughout the movie, I was just going, what is the point of this stupid talking bear and yeah i checked the credits it's seth green yeah. who apparently has history with the director the director actually pr- was a producer on seth green's uh directorial debut that's fun so i guess he called him in as a favor I, it didn't sound like him no no it i wouldn't have known that at all so i've yeah. been dying to ask you since you brought up the bear and then we can jump into the movie um clearly it's a takeoff of like teddy ruxpin which was a toy from when i was a kid speaking of nostalgia and the thing, the way the thing, too. the way the thing operated was with cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me, and I don't know how true this is, maybe you know, that you could actually record over the Teddy Ruxpin tape, and like you can, you can make basically you could make the Teddy Ruxpin say anything you wanted to. Because, yeah, you oh, see, no. you see the trouble you could get into. If that is indeed true, that's more of what I'm asking. Oh, um, you you never found the YouTube videos of Teddy Ruxpin mouthing along to Metallica, did you? I have not, no. <laughs> Although I'm sure he's going, you're going to look that up as soon as we're done. <laughs> Maybe while you're doing the Yeah, no, trust me. I have well, heard horror stories of like older siblings putting cassette tapes in Teddy Ruxpin that, mm-hmm. you know, you, when you're little, you assume that the tape in there is, you don't put the tape in there yourself. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, Teddy says some interesting things. <laughs> There is a long story in history, at least in America, of people messing with talking dolls and trying I, to get them to, to. It is the entire. It is the entire like inspiration for the child's play movies to one degree or another. Is this idea of let's take an innocent child's toy and corrupt it beyond all recognition? I, I still remember the like... news. So I still remember the news story they did about people swapping out Barbie's voice box with GI Joe's voice box. So then you have this little boy clutches GI Joe and he goes, "Let's go shopping." Robert, go ahead and say what you want to say, but then go back to me because I have to now tell you a story about my daughter and Barbie. Go ahead. I oh. I feel like you'll like what we need to do for Mark is to get him a Teddy Ruxpin, but <laughs> it's all wire quotes. <laughs> <laughs> That would be hilarious. So I was telling my daughter about the talking and then literally go into the plot synopsis as yeah, soon yeah. as I take a breath. Um, I was telling my daughter about the talking Barbie doll that got recalled because um, it was sexist. <laughs> I forgot about that. God. Was this the one that said math is hard? That's the one and that's the yeah. quote. But look, uh, yeah. math, look, math does suck. It's not okay. Sure. But the implication being girls are dumb. Barbie's dumb. Barbie can't do math. That's the problem there. And I told, I, I don't know how we were talking about this. I, she brought up something and I was like, oh, they did something like that once. Like they did a talking Barbie doll and it literally, oh, I know why. 
I brought this up because Lily actually legit was struggling in math. And she and she just kind of blurted out when I was telling her, I'm like, you got to do your homework. You got to work with your mother. You got to not fight with us on this. You got to, you got to, got to. And she goes, but math is hard. And I looked at her and I went, okay, Barbie. And she... <laughs> Oh, and, like, the little like, feminazi there loved that. Oh, shattered her beyond all recognition. And uh, and then I had to explain to her what talking Barbie was. And she immediately like got all self-righteous and indignant about the whole thing. And I went, you, never just, mind liter- that- you just literally told me math is hard. I don't like, want to hear it. Never mind that that's the single most relatable thing to your life that could possibly have come out of Barbie's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Black I remember being little and not thinking that that was sexist because I hated math too growing up. So I'm like, what? Math is hard. I'm sure when they did it, that wasn't the, that you know, it wasn't like a bunch of guys smoking cigars evilly going, how can we make girls look like assholes? Like, Gentlemen, okay, we'll make all say this. <laughs> look, if she, there's plenty of worse things that could have been said that as opposed to math is hard which is I something that to be pregnant i mean yeah i was gonna say all... didn't yeah didn't we get all that out of the talking malibu stacy episode yeah like there's there were so many in that and you know, to, again to go with math is hard like 80 percent of the planet agrees with that sentiment <laughs> you can make gi joe say math is hard let's just shoot something so loki you brought it up, Mark. I, yeah, yes, that, I want to move on fault. now. <laughs> Ow! You don't get to ignore the consequences of your actions, Mark. An hour later, if we're still talking about the story I told, we need, we need to move on. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, there's a lo- there's a little time up there. It's not been an hour. <laughs> All right, so Black Friday. This is not going to be a long plot synopsis. <laughs> It's like less than three freaking paragraphs on Wikipedia. Oh, by the way, Mark, make a note. Yes, Google search Teddy Ruxpin Metallica. I've got at least four videos here off the top of somebody screwing with their dolls. Nice. All right, so Black Friday follows a group of beleaguered uh, retail employees at a toy store on Black Friday. Has anyone here actually worked retail on Black yeah. Friday? Yep. All through high school and some of college. Yep. This was the tamest Black Friday of my personal experience. <laughs> uh, so it, it follows this group of people at a toy store uh, in the midst of a horrible world-ending event as a bunch of meteors crash into the Earth that deposit some biological entity that infects humanity and inspires them to gather things and other bodies and then to coalesce into these gigantic monsters. Is basically, the, you become a biomass monster, basically how that goes. This is more clever than just, oh, look, zombies. I did appreciate that. I, uh, I'll get into that in a second. So the toy store opens. Havoc ensues. The plague spreads to our little band of adventurers. Some of them die. Some of them don't. We get the bit of moroseness. This is more about character than plot as far as what we're going to talk about, I think, because the plot is, again, the zombies show up. The zombies start gathering and building. A few of our protagonists die. One of them thinks he's been infected, but he hasn't. They stage an escape. The building catches on fire. They all wind up in the park. The remaining ones wind up in the parking lot as the giant turkey-like monster Rears up. I have to believe that was intentional. Like this thing it, is it looked like bird-like. it looked like a turkey was put in a blender with a 1980s thing. 
little thing. bit, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I mean, sorry, the, the the way the mouth was, you know, it had the, the double mouth that was kind of breaking apart. Mm -hmm. That reminded me ex very much so of the way that they find the thing frozen in the ice in the, in the Kurt Russell movie. Yeah, there's a few different times when they find something akin to that. Uh, they're able to kill the one coming out of their toy store when they inadvertently slingshot a forklift into its head. <laughs> um, our remaining band of plucky adventurers go out for pancakes. At the moment, still blissfully unaware of the other kaiju monsters that have spawned and are now roaming around the countryside that we see in the background. Uh, again, the degree to which you want to talk about stuff in this movie, um, the practical effects, I rather enjoyed. I thought they made the most of their very obviously limited budget. I think, unfortunately, it did lead to some uh, slightly underwhelming finale where they they clearly just didn't have the ability to do anything fun with that creature. Mm. Uh, which is kind of a shame because it's not a bad looking creature. Like there's a few of the practical like makeup and creature effects in this movie that are quite good. It's probably the most, there's one other element, but as far as the stools on the table, uh, the uh, legs on the, on the stool, rather the practical effects are probably the, like the big star of this movie. They really are great. We get uh, some excellent transformation scenes of some of the humans turning into the monsters. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get a bit one of the we have a new employee named Emmett who has been lovingly volunteered as first red shirt and um, we see he gets infected for the record whoever designed the infection scene clearly has seen the videos of those proboscis worms you ever seen those <laughs> yeah worms? just a few yeah those are semi disturbed it's one of those things where you go oh my god that thing is from earth ew <laughs> yeah i hate those because that's exactly how this these monsters reinfect it's a proboscis mm -hmm. and yeah we watch uh, emmett get transformed and he becomes less and less human and they almost have it's it's like a beak but it's teeth yeah yeah you know it, it, it's very bizarre but it looks cool it's really unique yeah i'm I, I it's almost a shame that these kinds of creature effects are wasted on this movie uh, and, I, and I don't say that to be like overly negative, but the, they had some really cool st ideas that went into this and some really cool effects. And it's a shame that the budget was such and the time constraints were such that they couldn't do anything really interesting with them because those are some nice looking monsters. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say. I, I watched it first thing this morning and I enjoyed it. For what it was um it was it was entertaining bruce campbell um you guys have more of an affection for him than i do mm -hmm. like, i remember him from the evil dead movies i've watched them i reviewed him with sean a couple years ago and gavin but i don't have the emotional attachment to this guy that you guys seem to but he is really great in this and i do enjoy his characterization as somebody who found the slightest bit of power managing a toy store and went crazy with it. Can I can I just say that with the mustache he was wearing in this, he mm -hmm. reminded me of the first store manager I worked for when I worked at Kmart. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say for... And, and I mean that as a compliment to Campbell's acting mm -hmm. and a huge diss on that idiot who was so incompetent he actually got fired. Well, that, I, I want to talk about the writing for a second because I thought the writing of this was uniquely good. Uh, in the sense that, like, in terms of plot, it's it's kind of, you know, it's a zombie movie, whatever. But 
in terms of like character relationships, yeah, how the, people behave, characterizations, yeah. I actually thought this was extremely sharp writing. Like this was really, there's there's better characterization here than there was in uh any number of in a few number of blockbusters we've reviewed now again i'm not yeah. saying dialogue writing mm -hmm. but if we're talking characterization most of the characters here are stronger than they uh, the characters in i'm um i'm blanking on the name of the movie i'll find it doesn't matter what transformers bad boys uh, bad, bad boys for sure <laughs> it, it is interesting that they seem to avoid a lot of serious characters even though that these characters are tropes they actually avoid a lot of the tropes that we would see with them yeah i was gonna say um what this what this definitely avoided to its credit was stereotypes yeah i yeah i think and here's really like how the best way i can sum this up if you were to tell me that zombies really attacked a toy store on Black Friday, how would people behave? I would believe people would behave this way. I believe people would behave the way they were behaving before all that happened. You know, the guy who got laid off and was there for 10 years, but it was, you know, clearly a macho, you know, masculine guy um, hitting on younger women and bullying, you know, and bullying the beta male people. The guy, you know, with the OCD and the always washing his hands and being germaphobic. I've seen people like that. Yeah, they you're not behave gonna, that way. Uh, you know, you have the suck up who constantly wins employee of the month. Right. You have the assistant manager who's a little bit power hungry and a little bit like they're, the, they're always the, the one that can you have go the elderly late. You have the elderly employee who probably got fired a couple of years ago and then just showed up and everyone was just like, okay. Because I, I have to admit, what was her name? Ruth? I think, I think. so. Yeah. It, it, the way she just kind of said things, I'm like, you, you're not actually employed here, are you? You were. You got fired. You showed back up. And you're too freaking gone in the head to realize you're not getting a paycheck anymore. Robert, and go ahead and finish what you were saying before. Um, you started in on something and, we, and I lost you halfway through. Uh, I don't think Ru I... I think I just agreed that her name was Ruth. I, I, no, before that. Okay, doesn't matter. If you can't I, remember... I think I was you, just agreeing with you guys about the character. You started writing. to talk about the characters is what it was. You got as far as the assistant manager who's power hungry. And, and Oh, and, yeah, yeah. The assistant manager like that. They always feel like they can go either way. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean uh, orientation wise. I mean, like one minute they're manage they're a management shill. The next they're kind of like, <laughs> I know this sucks, but it's okay. Like they're always kind of riding that line. Uh, you, you have the, you know, the mate, the, uh, the maintenance worker that, nobody wants to mess with because he's large <laughs> and burly and doesn't have time for your crap i like him in this we've seen him in a bunch of other things and he's sort of hit and miss that is michael jai white, white yeah. you don't mess with michael jai white that was the first guy to play spawn and i don't care how bad that movie was he was really good in it he's he's got a couple of really good roles here he was in the tyson tv movie uh, as mike tyson he was um, in uh, The Dark Knight. He was uh, yeah. the gangster that the Joker kills with the Why So Serious speech. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, he's, been, he's been around for a while. He's a guy that um, pretty clearly, like, post-90s couldn't accept that he wasn't a leading man. And so he did a bunch of direct-to-DVD crap. Mm -hmm. it, it, because he'd rather be number one on the call sheet than number seven on the call sheet in a bigger movie. At least he's still getting work. He's a good actor. Him and he's Wesley Snipes. I was gonna say he's been in a bunch of stuff just this year alone. He was a voice act. He was Bronze Tiger in Batman: Soul of the Dragon. 
Um, he was in Salt on VA33, Take Back, Send It, Rogue Hostage, and now Black Friday. Again, I mean, like, he, he gets work. Look, he does, like, he, he does the Steven Seagal kind of stuff at this point. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that to... Look, I think Michael J. White is probably a more legitimate martial artist than Steven Seagal, for whatever that's worth. He also uh, knows how to keep the weight off and not hire body doubles like Steven Seagal. Very much so, but he like he does a lot of that. Oh, I know this. Ex- like, oh, I'm not surprised this exists, but I never would have seen it. Kind of stuff. So, um, oh, Alexis, what else did you want to talk about with this movie? Makes me makes me wonder if he and Nicolas Cage are the same accountant. Like, it's he, <laughs> he, that kind of stuff, you know. Speaking of Nick Cage, Robert, have you seen the trailer for Prisoners of Ghostland? I have not. I think I need to finish Color Out of Space now that I think about it. Oh my god, this movie looks insane. Insane good or insane (laughs) jujitsu? We'll have to wait and see. Like, there's no no real indicator, huh? All right. Yeah. (laughs) Just go see the trailer. I might take that flyer. No, like it really, they do really do avoid a lot of stereotypes. Uh, you got the lead Devin Sawa, who, sweet Jesus, makes me feel old. Devin Sawa was a teen heartthrob back in the nineties, and I had the biggest crush on him. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I thought he was gorgeous. And now I'm seeing him, and they're like, "You're almost as old as my dad." I'm like, Shh, "Oh God, don't say that, please." Do you want to really feel old? No. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have the 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring being released in theaters. <laughs> okay, actually, here's a bit of unusual casting. The female lead, uh, Ivan- Ivana uh, Baquero, I think is how you pronounce it. That's the lead from Pan's Labyrinth. Wow, really? Yeah. Now I really would not Spanish actress. Good for Flawless her. Flawless American accent. She's yeah, really good she, she had she definitely had the accent down. Would not have pegged her as having been Ophelia. I uh, I really liked her in this. I thought she had really good chemistry with the other cast members. Um, in so many of these kinds of movies, I tend to think that that particular character is grating, but she never was. Like that, she she no, she doesn't have any lines that got on my nerves. She doesn't have any behavior that I was just like. No feeder to the zombies. Like she, she's genuinely a female in a movie like this that I would root for and want to see survive. Um, which, given the track record of movies like these, is pretty incredible. They usually make some pretty detestable female characters, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just a failure of ability to write, or the people writing them just hate women. I, I don't know which one it is, or somewhere in the middle. It's usually a failure of writing more than mm-hmm. it, it's. It's usually more incompetence than malicious. Sure. But yeah, I mean, even go back to Ken, uh, the main character, we see that he is divorced and he's dropping off his kids because he's with his ex because he's got to go work Thanksgiving and we see he's a bit of a drunk. And normally so many directors and writers would write this guy as unlikable and his kids can't stand him and he's very, you know, uh, detached from his family. And, you know, in this movie is the wake up call of I have so little time on this earth and I need to you know, reconnect with my kids. No, he's a wonderful father. His two mm-hmm. daughters love him, really aren't fans of their stepfather. Well, you know, you know with that sweater. I mean, we, we <laughs> never see them. We never see the guy speak a line of dialogue. All we have to go on is that one appearance. And with and that the sweater, line about And the line about Axe body spray. Yeah, guys, if you're over 21, stop. Just stop. 
you deserve better. And so does everyone who has to be in close proximity to you. If you're a teenager and you stink out to high heaven, you need something powerful. Fair enough. Once you get past puberty, come on. You don't get past puberty till 21. You know what I mean? I was going to say, I knew in Utah, you guys kind of slowed down how long it took you to finally get through puberty, but that's saying something. Uh, I, I'm just willing to extend a couple of years grace period for just having a bad habit at that point. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, no, these are all really I feel well. Like, I feel like Mark is desperately trying to move the Axe body spray away from where we might see it on camera now. <laughs> no, I don't wear any of that crap. I just more of like yesterday we were it's so funny because like yesterday with ghostbusters and we all had a lot to say and you know and it was not so much a fight for time but they, we, we were all definitely we spent two hours on it we had a lot to talk about and here i'm like you know i don't have it that much to say i'm gonna let robert and alexis really have at this and i go to look away and and, and i'm kind of like listening with one ear. i'm like why are they talking about axe body spray <laughs> eh, because one of the characters is said to have to use it um look this is a perfectly acceptable b movie yep and i i understand there's a degree of people who can't reconcile that even on b movies there's a scale and desperately try to figure out why they like something that's not objectively good and i, I hate those people because you're distorting reality to try and fit your sad uh cognitive dissonance which i really <laughs> wish you just get over by now but th i mean this isn't even necessarily a b plus if you wanted to lean that way it's on the creature design and it gets strong characterization but the dialogue isn't especially great yeah you know, it's not bad and it could have been very bad so to that uh, to that degree i want i they writers do deserve praise but it's also you know it, it just kind of exists I, I half wonder if there wasn't a if you couldn't, uh, you know, with the few more passes through editing, come up with something a little bit better than this. But then again, you know, you're talking about a zombie, uh, quasi-zombie invasion in a toy store on Black Friday. Like, there's there's a ceiling on this. You know, in retrospect, I wish, I I wish we, um, in retrospect, this would have been a bit better done in in review format as a triple feature with Willy's Wonderland and another and another kind of movie of this kind of ilk because like because you're right this this doesn't really lend itself to really hardcore deconstruction it was fun i enjoyed it i, I don't mind talking about it but it's like it's hard to but after you sort of praised the fact that even for a b movie it's well constructed what else is there to say and then it's like well <laughs> you know what well, now let's talk about willie's wonderland i think if the only thing i would have changed was i feel that there could have been some more fun with essentially the line between the jackass customers and the zombies we do mm -hmm. get a little bit with some of the customers acting a little weird before that one attacks um chris the germaphobe and then he has to basically beat her to death with barbie's little pink corvette <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the hell that was i think you're right you know we get another like three minutes of things as, uh, of this the situation escalating well, uh, I, I need the, you know, the assistant manager to go, no, don't call the cops. It's not that bad yet. And then a fist fight breaks out and no, no, we can security, no police. They'll have to shut us down. Here's, here's the only other thing I want to add. This didn't, if I have any criticism like Alexis, I, I think I would say this. Our story begins in a completely different store that's attacked. And, Walmart. 
Yeah, all Mart. And then we never see it again. It, it has no bearing on the story. And I, I, I thought it was an odd place to start this. I mean, as far as they set up that that there is a menace afoot, it's fine. But it has no, it has no relationship to where we're going to spend the entire rest of this movie. Which, by the way, you know, if you're sitting around the table and you're like, I want to write a zombie movie. Where haven't we done a zombie movie yet? I'm like, you know, how about Christmas time in a toy store? I think it's a great idea. As far as concepts go and staging your zombie movie on the cheap, I thought it was a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah. But this was actually filmed in a uh, shutdown Babies R Us. I don't doubt it. Um, but two, but two, and then two things about that. One, that's probably where we needed to start this, not in a store, uh, you know, across the mall or have them connected in some way. Like, you know, instead of it being a, a Toys R Us, for, for sake of argument, have it be a KB Toys. What's the difference? KB's is actually in the mall. So, uh, you know, if, 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 if your story is taking place in the toy store and at some point you can maybe get out of the toy store and you can have a little bit bigger of a set piece uh, in the greater mall, that might have made for a more interesting viewing experience. Um, here, it's they leave the Toys R Us, they're in the parking lot and the movie's over. And again, I go back to, but you started at Walmart. You know, why, why, why are these things disparate and, connect, and disconnected the way they are? But it was one of those. It was one of those things where I'm now I'm quibbling. Um, I ahead. do like the opening, though, even though it was at a different location, where you have people banging on the doors, and mm -hmm. the employees think, "Oh my God, are they that desperate to get into the shop?" I loved all that stuff. Yeah, and it, it's because they're running from the monsters. It's like mm -hmm. that was actually a very smart way to open it because. You know, those of us who have worked retail, it's like, we probably would think the same thing. It's like, oh, my God, you will get your fucking flat screen TV. I didn't even make that connection. I, mean, I, just, I just thought, and that was one of the things I was thinking about, and I'm glad you actually pinged that memory for me. I like the fact that as a horror movie, it has an editorial point of view on Black Friday shopping and consumerism. I'm like, that's brilliant. But, you know, and it... I mean, to be a, fair, a lot of us would have, even if it is zombies, and mm -hmm. we know it's, we'd, I'd still leave them. <laughs> I, I didn't pick up that those were zombies. I thought they were shoppers, and that was just the you know the the film's point of way of saying these people are terrible zombies, and we need to change this behavior. Um, it reminds me of the Family Guy episode where everyone's abusing Santa. Uh, my point being, like, I would have, I think, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. We get a little bit of that, like you said, with the shoppers, but I think more comments about <laughs> about shitty shoppers and you know customers. Wouldn't have offended me at all. I, I I rather enjoyed that point of view. I do love the cursing, pissed off grandma with the grandma gold necklace that you yeah. know one of her little grandchildren bought mm -hmm. her or something, and how she is just chewing out the employees. That was awesome. awesome. Uh, look, as as someone who's been there, buddy, if your germophobia is that severe, wear gloves. Put right. on some gloves and do your damn job. We're all I've, stuck here. Nobody likes it. I've I worked at Walmart. Had a handful of people who wore um, not like surgical gloves, but um, I'm trying to think. They, they kind of look like those gloves of the people who work the produce aisles. Yeah, where you know what I mean. It, it, it's plastic, but it's not skin tight plastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, I remember fine. seeing a lot of people wearing those. Right. Anything else? Any, oh, go ahead. Uh, I think only the mild flashbacks that I got when everyone was sitting around their faux campfire talking about their history of working at that particular store. Mm -hmm. We have all, I, I know I have, uh -huh. in the various re retail and service industry jobs that I've held in my time, there's always the sit in a circle and tell war stories. 
I do love when they find the tag from the guy, the, the, the red shirt, and they go, I think this is the, he's like, and they say he's only been there since the first of the month, so if this is Black Friday, yeah, it's been about a month. He goes, I think this is officially the shortest time anyone's ever worked here. <laughs> I, that's the <laughs> that least, was a great line. That's the least believable part of this particular movie. <laughs> there's, again, we've all done retail, so we all know there's people who are there for less than two weeks. Sure. There's people there that don't make it to the end of a shift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Little oh, funny cool. line. So, um, thanks for for mentioning this. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have a done it. B even really known about it. I, I saw the trailer the same as you guys, but it it just wasn't going to be on my radar. So it was. Thanks for mentioning it and wanting to review it. I had fun talking about it. Let's talk briefly because I've actually forgot to do this part of the segment yesterday. So I'll just tell you after I play the clip. Here, well, hey, before we do that, you know what this movie was missing? You know what it was moving? You know what it was missing, Robert? <laughs> You know what it was missing? A better score. Yeah. It was, you know what it was missing? It was missing. Amazon music. It was missing Christmas music. Authentic Christmas music. Like everyone's favorite Christmas carol. Come here. <laughs> do it. That's right. Hee haw, hee haw, hee haw. Get out of here now. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that you're willing to put your brainwashing on the internet like this with your son. <laughs> I'm like a South American dictator. Anyway, um, so um, if you would like to hear Dominic the donkey as you trim your tree. Yonk, yonk. All right. Um, I was like, what's he doing? He looks like he's running laps around the kitchen table. He went to get a vitamin water, and then I called him over and whatever. Anyway, um, we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network for all your holiday needs for music. You can listen to Mariah Carey. You can listen to Lee, Lou Monty's Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey. You can... Which, once again, I don't think is a real thing. Uh, you can listen to... I went through this hell last night. I'm not saying anything. Bing Crosby. It's all there for you on Amazon Music. And who wants to pay for Christmas music when you can stream it for free? So click our link. Get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network for your free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. And here comes a little bit of the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. There's like no money to be had here. Um, I There's no budget on the Wikipedia page. Um, when I this, go to look, work- this was shot for a song. When I go to Box Office Mojo, not only do they not have any money, but I can't find how much this thing is earned. So um, what I, I am, will... I imagine we won't get that information for another couple of weeks. Yeah, so this is just going to be a very truncated money section because here's what happened. In all the rapid-fire nonsense of yesterday, uh, I forgot to talk about the worldwide box office. We never did. Uh, yes. We never actually did that. So, um, hey, our two-part, our two-part the money segment over two damn you Hollywoods. Um. Okay, good. It's up. It's up. All right. So the Battle of uh, Lake Shanjing is still the number one movie on Earth with uh, 888 million worldwide. And Hi Mom, uh, second to that at 822 million. But No Time to Die has unseated, finally, 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 because Bailey, because Bailey, because Bailey, the reigning domestic champion, F9, and claimed the third spot at 735 million, knocking F9 to number four. Yeah. I mentioned this yesterday. It's a crying shame that despite this movie, that that movie performing as well as it is doing, it's going to be considered a loss. Yep. 
Uh, Detective Chinatown is at number five. So three out of the top five worldwide domestic uh, worldwide earners are from China, which I think is an interesting tell about the current two of them. Ha- two of them have not had domestic United States releases. Even better. Look, look, this has been true for a couple of years now. We just haven't realized it. The most important market in the box office spectrum world uh, is not the United States. It's China. That's been true for a few years. Anyone, I just looked at the battle at Lake Shangji. Anyone else think it's interesting that the highest grossing film in Chinese history was commissioned by the publicity department of the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> no, and announced as part of the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party? I don't find that interesting at all. I find that absolutely believable. Um, so Godzilla versus Kong um, is a distant sixth at this point at $467 million. Uh, Venom, much to Robert's chagrin, is racing up the charts. That's PVOD now, so I can't imagine it gets any higher than it is. I mean, like you can I mean, still find racing. it in theaters, but Look, I'm I'm going to damn this movie for the rest of its existence. It's not okay. even a top five earner worldwide. Um, so well, it's PVOD as of like today or yesterday. It's probably so. not. E- there's a non-trivial chance it's not even top ten when it's all said and done. Probably. Not. Well, I mean, Spider-Man's going to make the top ten. That's going to knock. That's going to knock stuff down. Um, me, you know, I don't know how well West Side Story is do at this point. But I mean, West Side, West Side Story is certainly possible. But there aren't that many movies left in 2021. Um, the Matrix is day and date on HBO Max. So that's going to end up um, cannibalizing some of its earning potential. So it's like you say that, but how many movies coming out between now and January 1st do you think are that competitive? I'd have to go. I'd have to look specifically. I'll tell at everything. you. It's okay. West Side Story, Spider Man, Nightmare Alley, and The Matrix. Oh, and the in the Kingsman. You know, I I. Just, Are we not including Encanto in that Disney family film? Uh, true, and and Encanto. Um, uh, look again. I'm not. If it stays in the top ten, I'm not going to be surprised. Mm. I'm just saying you've got a. It's underperformed to mm. enough of a degree. That I wouldn't be shocked if it hangs on either at number ten or eleven. So the interesting thing about Venom, since we're on that subject, is that it made two hundred and seven million domestic, uh, two hundred and forty-eight million foreign. Um, just fascinated by the fact that it made almost equal money uh, in both parts of the world. Yeah, a lot every- only because a lot of times everything it's so lopsided. Yeah, you know. Look, this is what happens when equal parts of the entire world realize it's crap. You get uh, about the same returns no matter where you are. So yeah, so Venom is now Piva. Shang Chi is now on Disney Plus, and that's yeah, at number Shang-Chi's eight. Shang Chi's dead with four hundred and thirty million. Black Widow um, knocked lower than it had been at three seventy nine. Dune is the most successful movie uh, day and date. It is the most yeah. financially successful movie that went day and date upon release uh, worldwide. By, so, a, by a wide margin. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how how well it does. I mean, I think the, the, the 4K Blu-ray is now out, so and I think it might be leaving uh, HBO Max shortly. But I don't yeah, know how it, much better it's it, going to do than it's doing right now. Yeah, it, It's going to leave HBO Max for a few months and then come back. Like that, That's kind of the cycle of these things. Well, I mean, as far as earning potential, I think it's just yeah. about run out of gas. Eternals. Any, anybody that's going to, like, the last gasp for Dune's earning potential is people buying it for Christmas. After yeah. that, we're kind of done. 
So I'll say this now, and I know Chris Bailey at one point was listening and he might listen back. We have a bet going that if Eternals doesn't crack 500 million, I will apologize publicly to him on TikTok and say he was right. Um, so I'm <laughs> writing up my TikTok now because it's not going to make it. Um, it's great. I should have. I should have bet you about this thing cracking the top ten at all because I'm well. You know what I, I was thinking. I was thinking fondly back to back to our conversation <laughs> we had uh, a few months ago. Now this was you got to understand. So people understand why I'm bringing this up. We were having a conversation pre Delta variant about the yeah like um, the, the healthiness of theaters, and th my contention was I posited that by November. If there are no further disruptions to the theater market via COVID um, or, you know, vaccination rates, et cetera, I can't see this thing making less than 700 million. Here's the problem. Over the summer, we had a huge variant of COVID and a lot of, you know, like I, I think I talked about my wife on like the first day of school for like about the first month or so. So in Florida, that would be August. She had like five kids in the classroom at any given time because everybody was getting COVID and everybody was going into quarantine, um, which doesn't make for a really robust theater environment. So, I mean, when you think what's about... What's the excuse come November? Huh? What's the excuse for this flopping when it released, you know, when it did? Just go ahead and make your point because I don't know what it is you're trying to tell me. Look, you said that assuming no disruption to the theater experience, you anticipate. Yeah, I stand on. by that. I stand by that, that if we had not had the summer of, of COVID, this thing would have done at least better than it's doing now. Okay, here's my counterpoint. Okay. If this had been released during the summer, I mm -hmm. think your argument holds a tremendous amount of weight. In fact, I think countervailing <laughs> points would be stupid. Mm -hmm. It's released in November. Mm -hmm. This released three to five months after the Delta wave peaked and then receded. Okay. Hey, hang on. Before you, you continue your point, because I know what you're getting at. My only thing with that is I think if people you're talking, now you're talking about bravery, about going back to the theaters. A lot of people just went back, you know, I'm, there, the, the, you know, there are more people would have gone back by November. Had there not been a disruption in the summer that caused people to go back into their houses and not want to brave the theater. That's I, the point that I'm making. I think the only argument you have is that COVID killed so many people. That's what bit into this thing's earning potential. Mm -hmm. This thing flopped because no one cared. I mean, that's certainly one now, argument. Now, now, look. In a world where COVID is properly contained by the Chinese government when it first breaks out, I might be with you about this thing being more on the, you know, five to seven hundred million dollar range. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think even under ideal circumstances, this cracks a billion. There's a lot of reasons. I, for I it. never said it was going to. No, no, no I, I know. Like this is me saying that in a vacuum more. Okay. Like I, I think this had a lower ceiling than most people, especially most, you know, MCU uh, apologists. I'll say that not unkindly, mm -hmm. uh, not unkindly. Uh, especially a lower ceiling than most apologists were looking at, but I think between. Between COVID and just no one caring, like mm -hmm. even if the Delta variant never hits, mm -hmm. you're not, I don't think you're getting to 700 million, even uh, even under your positive circumstance for 2021. Okay. Uh, th therein lies the debate. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, well, that's my e take on it. Eternals is not the point is, and the whole reason I went into all of that side tangent was the I think under everything we just said with all the variables. Um, I still thought it might crack 500 million. It's not going to. I'm not insane. I know how to do math. 
Um, so I will be, a, but I, but I told unless it I, gets released in China tomorrow and the Chinese well, government decides to make it part of their celebration. Th of thank you for pinging that because that's the thing I wanted to bring up. The only other thing interesting to talk about as far as money goes is how much, uh, Hollywood has swung and missed getting anything into China this past year. No, 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 They're, not not Hollywood, not Hollywood. Disney? Hollywood is Hollywood has had plenty that was released there. Disney has not. Okay. Black Widow, in addition to being kind of like we talked for a while about why Black Widow was going to struggle mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. I think Black Widow was released in China. I'd have to double check, but Shang Chi did not get released in China. Right. That hurt its overall box office. Eternals, Eternals. did not get released in China. Look. Say whatever you want about how bad the movies, uh, how bad Eternals is, and we talked about it at length. Mm -hmm. Just, just opening in that market for a theatrical run mm -hmm. would tack another what two hundred million onto this thing, even if you know, even if it's a bunch of like one and doneers. Right. You're looking at a significant increase in total revenue that would push you more towards the five hundred million dollar mark. Sure. And you're not going to get it because. Chinese government is the Chinese government, and I don't feel compelled to go into any great detail about There's that. There's no need, but yeah, I, I Disney, and it's 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 interesting because Disney has now doubled down and saying more representation of minorities, more representation of the LGBTQI community, and China be damned. And China went, damn us if you want, but we're still not letting your movie in, and well, and that's a consideration when you think about what they're going to green, you know, green light and how they're going to distribute their pictures. Well, to be to be clear also about the Chinese uh, and their censorship laws, mm -hmm. it's not just the LGBTQ I apostrophe Z Batman symbol <laughs> crowd. It's not just that. Like mm -hmm. they, they, they did not sanction. They did not say Eternals can't come in because there's a gay guy because there are two men kissing. Mm -hmm. They can just say, you have to cut that scene out of your movie to be released here. Mm -hmm. and, Dis and let's be clear Disney would have. You can still have those two being the parents of that child. If there's no kissing, they probably don't care. Right. I mean, look, the other thing Disney does for almost all of their Marvel movies, believe it or not, they shoot scenes that or are exclusive China. to the yeah. Chinese audience. Yeah, we made the joke about that in Fast and the Furious, and France gets it all. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> look, Eternals got the axe because Chloe Zhao, the director, has been critical of the Chinese right. government, and they don't appreciate criticism in any nope. form. <laughs> all right, so to, to finish up with the money here, so um free guy free, free guys at number 12 quiet place two remains at 13 corella 14 not a whole lot of movement um at this point once you get into the 10 to 20 range uh, my country my parents at 220 jungle cruise which is now on disney plus at 219 raging fire the con to watch that again that was a fun movie <laughs> I had a lot of fun with Jungle Cruise. Cliff, Cliff Walker's walks out at number 20. Um, so that is where we are worldwide. Hey, okay, hey, so hey, look at number 22. Just because <laughs> I have to make the joke. <laughs> yep, every single time. Every single time. <laughs> um, some real quick movie news. And I, I, I don't know if I brought this up yesterday. I, no, I think I did. But uh, I told my son today he was, he was thrilled about this. Um, that Cliff, despite being day and date and not making a tremendous amount of money, Clifford got greenlit for a sink for a sequel. I'm yeah, sure. you're so yeah. we heard your son squeeing in the background. Yeah, I wasn't sure. All right, well, with that said, let's I imagine go ahead. he went into another room and exploded. We actually watched it this morning, um, in preparation for the triple feature tomorrow after Thanksgiving dinner. It's not a bad movie, it's 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 cute little family film. 
you know, I will all you can your, ask for. I will take your word for it. I, I'm not look, I, already, I, I already have an incredibly destructive dog. I don't need to watch a movie with another one. Look, the car, I thought the cartoon was what you wanted out of your sappy Clifford the Big Red Dog stories. I don't need, I don't need the live action. It was a perfectly nice family film, you awful cynics. Here we go with the Rotten Tomatoes. Are you ready? All right, the uh, critical review is brought to you by Grammarly. Grammarly, for you listeners of Damn You Hollywood, uh, is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors. Improving your vocabulary and suggesting style improvements to download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. Uh, so the critics thought, meh. The audience, meh. <laughs> uh, Seems about fair. So, uh, At least it was meh and not meh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, it. I said this is a good B movie. It's not quite B plus territory, but it's not B minus either. Cat Hughes of THN. Black Friday lands somewhere between Cooties and Krampus, with a touch of Grady Hendrix's novel Horror Store, making it a truly enigmatic movie to pin down. You know, it's, I've heard people review Krampus as like one of the, like, the best horror movies they've ever heard, they've ever seen. So I'm not entirely sure where she's coming from. I watch Krampus every Christmas. I don't think it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen, but it's certainly not bad. Mm -hmm. I just think it's fun to watch something a little different on Christmas because Lord knows I got tired of watching a Christmas story 20 times uh, a day. Look, my family's tradition is Die Hard Gremlins and a Christmas story. Ours Brian, is Die Hard, Krampus, and Home, and Home Alone. I don't believe in traditions or uh, or nostalgia. My son and I are yeah, going yeah. <laughs> My son and sure, I are gonna watch Eight sure. Bit Christmas because it's new. It's new. Do you understand? It's new and it's exciting and it's new. Does Mark, that mean okay? Mark. No tradition. You'll get rid of Dominic the Christmas donkey. It's not tradition. It's patriotic. When yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna look. <laughs> when did your alleged dom When did your alleged donkey song come out? In what year? Ought. Uh, Nineteen <laughs> oh. <1900. laughs> Shut up. Um, no, seriously. When did it come out? I, I, I will look before we're done here. All Can right. I please continue with the bit, though? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, don't, I don't believe in history or nostalgia. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the car, <laughs> Lou Monty. <laughs> Lou Monty's Jingle Bells is, um, is an amazing song, okay? I'll um, take your word for it. Brian Tallarico of RogerEbert.com, talk critic. An easy watch in a B-movie marathon, but you'll have forgotten it by the time you're done with Thanksgiving leftovers. I'm not so sure that's accurate. Yeah, I, mean, I don't believe that. I, I think that's true. being a... I think that's ignoring the good parts of this particular film. Uh, to say that it could be dismissed that easily. Um, also, but you know, you write for RogerEbert.com. You can't possibly give this movie a positive review and keep your job. Trace Thurman of Bloody Disgusting. Black Friday turns out to be a to be a dad joke of a movie. Obvious, predictable, and corny. No, it's yes. not. 
one, it's not it's not quite as predictable as it could have been. I don't think it's corny. I don't either. Um, and again, I, I I do also have to bring up, you know, it's not like those are necessarily always universally negative traits for a movie that is trying to do this to have. Yeah. All right, last one. Robert Kurtzman's special effects endure, but it's a halfway there effort, both as holiday horror and workplace horror. And that's Matt Donato of The Gist. Uh, yeah, I, again, we mentioned, you know, the effects are probably the best thing about this particular movie. Um, I'm a little bit not sure why he would kind of straddle the line here between, like, zombie horror and workplace horror. The workplace is the setting. This is not a workplace horror film. No. And, yeah, this is a this is a commentary, if anything at all, on consumerism and, you know, and the the hyper shopping just, experience of black friday shopping it's not really talking just about with that just with like one tenth the deftness of george romero and yeah to be um, clear romero not, was not a subtle man it's not commenting on retail at large that's that's a whole other thing yeah all right so that's it that is our black friday review it's fun um <laughs> one guy referred to the movie as blessedly short which i concur with that was uh somebody orndorf of blu-ray.com uh, tomorrow... It's an hour and a half. It's yeah. It's a it's a brisk nine minutes. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving as we're recording this, and uh, we're going to re-air our Metallica Saint Anger review, and then my son and I, as, as I a, mentioned before, as a gift to all the listeners, <laughs> listen to Mark and Robert Cooper tear that thing apart. Yup, <laughs> Lars Ulrich banging on pots and pans. Uh, my son and I, when we, my son and I are going to eat. Uh, Thanksgiving dinner and then the first opportunity we can get the hell out of my in-laws we are going to jump into the car a la Dukes of Hazard, and drive home to do a triple feature for Clifford the Big Red Dog uh, Home Sweet Home Alone which I saved Robert and Ronnie Adams from we and, appreciate it uh, and 8-Bit an Christmas because it's new it's not, it's not a Christmas story and Die Hard and all your every year the same thing we're, we're, we're a cutting edge family <laughs> Okay. You, okay. Cutting hang on. Edge. Yeah. Uh, you really want? Are we gonna? Uh, if I were to ask your wife about your, <laughs> she's more traditional than I am. It's. it's she, I'm she, just saying. She hangs on to those traditions. Would man. she support your stance on this, or would she not? <laughs> okay. So to settle this now, um, Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey was a B side of Christmas at Our House that was released in September in December of 1960. So, yeah, nineteen. You who have no attachment to the past, the the, the memory of a gold, the goldfish, Mark Radulich, <laughs> for whom everything resets every two and a half minutes. Lou Monty is forever. All right. Um. You know, in a, you in another five years, The Wire will qual, will classify will qualify as classic television in terms of just age. And then and I'll then, hate it. And then, you, <laughs> and when, I'm oh, sorry, and when everyone's like the wire, childhood, there I'll be going, <laughs> going. It's awful. It's rotten. You got why can't we what listen and watch new things? Okay, you know I gotta ask something. So we if that's right about, your... the, right about the time they remake the wire in movie format. <laughs> okay, Mark, if that's your favorite Christmas song, Robert, what is your favorite traditional Christmas? What what's the song? you play every year that really gets you in the christmas mood what's your dominic the donkey my imaginary friend <laughs> um i 
I don't think I have one, to be honest. You've had um, Christmas garland hanging up behind you every mm -hmm. night that we record. Well, look, look, it's it's easier to leave it up than to take it down, and that's just bare wall otherwise, so it just stays up. Okay. Uh, look, look, the Christmas tree is going to be up until about April. I'm just warning Find everybody. a way to answer her question, please. I, I don't care at this point what you say. If you say um, Christmas slippers, I'm going to move on from this segment. Just no, look, look, anyone who says Christmas shoes needs to have their kneecaps broken, first of all. <laughs> no argument. No <laughs> argument. Uh, I mean, probably Weird Al. It's probably the night Santa went crazy. Oh, that is one. one of the few things that because a lot you you and my wife have so many like similarities. It's really funny. It's just the age thing and like the cultural stuff. But I'll tell you what, the one time I played the night Santa went crazy and Christmas at Ground Zero while we were trimming, trimming the Christmas tree was the one time she put a ban on us on a Christmas song that I played. Like um, she will tolerate homo Christmas by the queers off my punk rock Christmas album. Before she will listen to another Weird Al Christmas song. True story. Uh, I suppose if I had an, if I had a secondary one um, for a really bizarre reason, actually, but uh, the the chipmunk singing jingle, but the the chipmunk song. Okay, which one that's a classic. Do. What about you, Alexis? What's your favorite Christmas song? Uh, the one that I play. Um, I think I mentioned before to you, Mark, that I'm a huge fan of big band and swing. Yeah. And uh, I actually, my favorite Christmas album to listen to is actually the Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's Christmas album, and my favorite song on there is their cover of uh, Heat Miser. So next Christmas, we, it's a it's a show we did years ago on the Metal Hammer of Doom, but I put together an entire playlist of various like metal Christmas songs. So it was like Christopher Lee and um. King Diamond. And... I, I demand that you share this publicly again. It's, I, it, it, I second that. I'm re-airing it next year. No, no, no. I need your list, not the episode. Okay. I need the list of songs. <laughs> I will find it for you. It was a really fun episode to do. There was like Twisted Sister on there. One day I should just review the actual Twisted Sister Christmas album, uh, but this will not be that year. This year we're doing Poppy. Yay, Poppy. Oh, Poppy. All right. Why do uh, you... Why do you keep doing that to yourself? What, Poppy? Yeah, I, I'm genuinely like I know you. I know she entered your consciousness because of her NXT association. Mm -hmm. No, she entered my consciousness because uh, she put out a metal album, and when we re when we researched what it was and who she was, I thought her whole history was so hilarious. I got I became obsessed. Okay, and I, I Mark, have we met? I'm I'm just, okay. So I suppose a better question. Is your actual plan to continue reviewing her work until she self-destructs? Correct. And by self-destructs, I mean actually stops making music, not has not has the full-blown <laughs> meltdown. Because then, when she comes back, you'll still do it. No, I will continue to, to review. That's like Baby Metal. I'll continue to review albums she puts out until she stops putting out albums. Well, or until baby I... metal, look, Baby Metal at least draws decent traffic. <laughs> well, all right. Um... When, people aren't, when people aren't calling you a racist. <laughs> That was one time for one thing I did, and I apologize, kind of. Um, all right. And then Friday, we've got some re-airs of some clutch stuff that we did, plus the Celtic Frost Cold Lake. And we may or may not now, depending on Jesse's schedule, be doing a live stream of live from the Doom Saloon Volume 4. Um, Robert and I will do commentary for Tiafima Lopez versus George Cambosis. And then Sunday, we have a re-airing of our Swamping review. We'll have Disney trivia. And then in the evening, a review come therapy session for you season two with drunkards Jason Teasley and Pat Mullen. Oh, boy. All, oh, Rapture. 
all three of you being partially hammered on that episode. <laughs> I just listened to that before we went on tonight. The funniest thing I've ever heard. Like that that's what I laughed so hard at that podcast. What what was the best part of that podcast was how like Pat just got increasingly more slurring as it went on. By the end, he could not form words. And then left early. <laughs> yeah, and then left early. For those right. who have just tuned in, the Pinedale shopping mall has just been bombed with live turkeys filmed at 11. <laughs> I, swear to, I swear to God, I thought turkeys could fly. fly. Uh, yep, I have to break out my WKRP turkey drop shirt for tomorrow. Um, I, have I to. told myself I was going to find some way to work that in since this is the night before Thanksgiving. Perfect. Um, keep going with your plugs. Me? You were you were doing plugs, sir. I was, but yeah. I, keep going, comma, with your plugs. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so like we mentioned last night, uh, we're also getting ready to record Tripped Up Trivia for December, in which we will be discussing Christmas trivia. The three categories are Christmas movies, Christmas songs, and Christmas traditions. So if you think that you can best uh, the other, other contestants on your knowledge of the most wonderful time of the year hit us up on facebook or twitter let us know we are always looking for more contestants and on personal note uh honeysuckle rose creations where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic for those of you who did enjoy black friday and love a little bit of horror even around this time of year we have tons of awesome horror related jewelry that i think you're going to love in addition to our pieces made from upcycled clue tokens we have a handful of pieces celebrating uh beetlejuice like our neck featuring the handbook for the recently deceased we have our blood bag earrings always a lot of fun we have our lament configuration uh hairbread pretty sure it doesn't count as actually opening the box if you're just using the sides we hope not yeah no kidding uh, and of course, uh, we are kicking off our Black Friday sale starting tomorrow. Everything is going to be 20% off in both stores. That's Etsy and Handmade at Amazon. And we're also going to be kicking off our uh, charity drive. Every, I, every individual order that is placed between Black Friday and Christmas Eve, we will donate $5 to St. Jude's Charity Hospital. Yes, are you donating too, Cleo? Good to know. Don't make that noise. It freaks me out. She sounded like she was going to throw up in my lap there. <laughs> so again, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right, Robert. Sing Dominic the Donkey. Go. It's not a real song. <laughs> uh, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts for 411mania.com. My review of this week's AEW Dark Elevation is up. MLW is releasing their episode tomorrow, so my review for that will be up as it goes on. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Please continue. And, fri I, I... <laughs> and Friday I will cover WWE SmackDown and try desperately not to commit suicide. <laughs> oh, how cheerful. Yes. It, yes, the WWE. The most because I think of cheer when I think of their product. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Saturdays, Mark mentioned uh, live watch along stuff for Terrafima Lopez and George Cambosos. Is there is no UFC event? Uh, upcoming week, same thing because professional wrestling doesn't take time off. So AEW on Monday, MLW on Wednesday, and SmackDown on Fridays. And yeah, uh, I host the four one one Ground and Pound MMA podcast. If you're interested in that. 
please give it a listen. This last episode, fairly short, a look back at the previous week's episode and some talk about Bud Crawford and um, Sean Porter. This week will be a preview of the next fight night headlined by Jose Aldo and Rob Font. I believe it's UFC on ESPN 31. I think 31. I'll double check at some point. Either way, give that. So if you're interested, give that a listen. I appreciate all the support that I can get over there. Uh, I thank you all very much for that. Uh, we have a double shot next week of Damn You Hollywood. One for Encanto, one for Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. One of those is getting praise on Rotten Tomatoes. The other, not so much. Yep. I can't imagine which one is which. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us here on... Although, given that Encanto opened with a short about raccoons... Yeah. <laughs> My wife said it wasn't the best one she's ever seen. I liked... I, I at least... As a parent, we can talk more about this on Monday, but as a parent, I it uh, it, it struck me pretty well, and you know, I, it resonated with me, and I rather enjoyed it. But I don't, I don't disagree with my wife's opinion that there have been better shorts. So. Much uh, well, again, this was also just straight Disney, not Disney Pixar, and the Pixar <laughs> shorts are really the the gold standard. Yep. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on DMU Hollywood. Have a happy Thanksgiving for Alexis Kane and Robert Winfrey. I'm Mark Rattle. Let's be well, be safe, and behave.